Welcome to Burn by the Firewall, an Occamsec podcast. Hello and welcome to Burn by the Firewall. Unfortunately, Mike is out for today's episode, so it'll just be me. And for today's show, I'm joined by Nick Donarski, a senior penetration tester at Occamsec. Hi, Nick. and Welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, Nick, uh, I guess to begin, do you want to give us a little bit of a, about yourself and uh, how you uh, got into penetration testing? Uh, sure. So, uh, I was pretty much born to be a pen tester. Uh, I literally learned my ABCs and 123s on a Muppet keyboard. When I say that, I mean an Apple IIs with a Muppet keyboard in 1984. I was two years old at the time. My dad was kind of a big nerd and uh, wrote my first program on a Atari 600 in 89 off the back of a uh, code out of the back of a, a compute magazine that my dad had. It was a Halloween themed chess game. And my dad was always, uh, you know, like hack at home. You know, if you break something here, know what you did. Uh, never hack from home is the number one rule. You know, that back in the day, that was, that was definitely a lot sketchier. You know, uh, in the early days of uh, the just all the things that you can't do or couldn't use cloud systems and things like that. So, yeah, rule number one is never hack from home. And so, then, were you actually uh, caught trying to hack from home as a child? No, 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 <laughs> I never did. I, I, I never, I never had to experience that one. Uh, and in all of the years that I've done testing, only one test resulted with me in handcuffs. So, uh, <laughs> well, do, you want to, do you want to tell us about that? Uh, I mean, sure. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, yeah. So I was doing a, I was doing a physical assessment for uh, a client. They were a thermal printer company. Um, and, uh, we were doing a, a full red team engagement and, uh, this was in my early days and I actually prototyped one of my early public releases, um, during the during the engagement on top of it so wmd package was the first thing that i did that i really put out there to the community uh way back in i want to say god seems like ages ago it was like 2012 but uh but yeah so i was doing work for this company uh we sent that in knew some stuff about the the wi-fi knew some stuff about the uh the environment and we were doing some physical uh, uh surveillance on the uh the environment and found a smoker's door got in through the smoker's door was able to just get in it was just set up and it was a big cubicle farm um in there you could kind of get through there were some uh, access ways as far as like where the data center was you could see the you know it was classic data center you had the windows that you could see in with all the blinking lights and you had some file cabinets out front uh found myself a uh, an empty cubicle slid underneath the desk and sat and played angry birds for like five hours and just kind of waited until um, the uh, the office kind of closed down for the day. Started getting quiet, moved the chair out of the way, and kind of climbed out. So I'm sitting there and <clears throat> kind of poking around, looking, you know, what what kind of papers leave, people leaving around, taking pictures of whatever I can. And in front of the server room, you know those you know those file cabinets where it's just like three drawers. It's like a half file cabinet, kind of halfway up the wall. And it just came up to the bottom of like where the viewing window was so that you could see all the blinking lights in the data center. So climbed up there and you could see that there was a drop ceiling. So climbed up there, kind of put, uh, put my hands up so, and tried to see if I could move a, uh, a panel out of the way. 
And while I'm doing that, you know, there's not really enough room to do anything. I'm just kind of poking my head around. All of a sudden I feel this tap, tap, tap on the back of my calf. I was like, Oh, you know, stop for a second. And uh, I look down and it's like this like 17 year old kid pushing a trash can around. And he's like, uh, what are you doing, man? I'm like, oh, I'm one of the, I'm one of the server admins. Um, I left my keys in the server room. You can look through the window. You know, I'm I'm pointing I'm pointing at the window. I'm like, look, you can see you can see it in there. My keys are in there. It just wasn't buying it wasn't buying the story. So climbed down, talked to him a little bit. Just wasn't just wasn't buying my you know what what I was trying to sell. He just just wasn't wasn't buying into it. And uh, he's like, I don't know, man. So he went and grabbed the security guy. I'm like, all right, you know, look, I'm one of the system admins, uh, you know, he's like, okay, so what's your name? I gave him my name, you know, gave him my real name. I obviously didn't work there. So couldn't find me in the system. Finally, I'm like, all right, listen, um, you know, I'm, I'm a security consultant. I'm here, you know, well, we're supposed to be doing this. And you, we, you know how we carry like the get out of jail free cards yeah, whenever absolutely. you're doing yeah. a physical test. So I'm like, here, this is my get out of jail free card. Now, one of the things I will absolutely do is make a fake get out, get out of jail free card. So instead of the phone number calling whoever's name is actually signed on there, I'll have a call one of my guys. So I've, I had a buddy who was actually sitting in my truck out in the parking lot, making sure, you know, nothing was going to happen outside if I need anything. And worst case scenario, pick up your phone if, if it rings because I had to use the fake get out of jail free card. So he goes, I'm like, here's the, here's the piece of paper. Ring, 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 no answer. I'm like. He's gone out. He's gone, he's gone down the pub. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, all right. <laughs> now I'm starting to be like uh, sweating a little bit. I'm like, uh, try to try it again. Go for it again. Ring, 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 ring. No answer. I'm like, uh. So now he's like, all right, go ahead and stay right here. He goes through and starts doing his security protocol. He ends up calling the cops. Uh, sits in, sitting in the security office. I'm like, what the hell? You know. I'm like. Uh, Cops get there, waited until, you know, the situation had been made known. And then uh, once I, once everybody was kind of like at, a, at an even keel, I was like, all right, listen, I really am a security uh, uh, tester. I really am supposed to be doing this. Here's the real note, you know, and just kind of did this, uh, you know, slide over of the real note. He didn't, they didn't end up calling. Uh, got a hold of the C level that was that was engaged in the test, and you know, yeah, got got myself put into cuffs until they uh, until they actually um, validated I was who I was. Now wow. the next part of that is that once I get done, once we figure out all that stuff, I'm like, all right, well, where's my buddy? Where, what happened there? I'm walking out. My truck's still in the parking lot at this point in time, still parked walking up to the driver's side window and I see him mouth open, head back to the window, just passed out in the, in the driver's seat. <laughs> I walked over, slapped the, the glass on him, woke him up with it. I was a little mad at that point, but yeah, he had, he had fallen asleep sitting in the truck. Um, well, uh, why well, I, I got to deal with the police cause he didn't answer the phone. He was catching flies. Nice. <laughs> uh, but 
It's, it's funny, like also you mentioned, like the, uh, the 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 get out of jail card, right? So there's an engagement I was on, and uh, one of our other guys was going in the front, and I was going in the side, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they got busted, and they tried to use the fake get out of jail card first <laughs> that we called one of our guys, and that was like no, and then they, <laughs> so then they ended up calling the actual CISO of the uh, of the company, and, and like it was fine, it's okay, but they got right. escorted off the premises. By this point, I'm inside, under a desk, plugged into the network, and um, and they're ringing me, and they're going, "Do not use the fake card if you get caught." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was a moment. That's awesome. That's I mean, no better diversion than having everybody deal with somebody else, man. That's it. It was a kind of like, "All right, we've got to get." It's a big, big place, but uh, yeah. And I was like, "I've got to sneak out the same way I came in and not get caught now." <laughs> but uh yeah fun stuff hell yeah man yeah i've been doing this for a long time man i i i love being able to do some more of the uh the physical and kind of marry the technical and the physical stuff it's that's really where i have fun i like making gadgets i like you know breaking rfid boxes or you know the the proxim cards and that kind of stuff i just I, that stuff makes me fun and makes me smile <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a lot of focus on uh, in in cybersecurity on kind of like the pure like technical at a keyboard, but people forget how much fun there is in actually building things and playing with playing with actual stuff. For real, yeah. The IoT area, right? Yeah, IoT. I mean, there's there's a controller for just about everything that we interact with nowadays. I mean from little things like even you know 3d printers there's there the raspberry Pis that are running you know things like octopi is just a it's a web server and stuff but that's online that's that's on your network at home you know that and it's something as innocuous as it's just a print server to my coffee maker is wi-fi and uh google enabled so that i can <laughs> say good morning google and it starts my coffee in the morning you know, um, it, it's just, there's, there's so much connection in everything that you walk around nowadays that you forget about the little, you know, creating timing faults in CMOS chips that you used to have to do to do bypassing of like the BIOS password on, on laptops. I mean, um, playing with, uh, the, uh, the, uh, what is it? The canned air spray so that you're turning it upside down and freezing CMOS chips oh, yeah. because timing faults, you know? That like, was like the putting stuff in a freezer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly, yes. But like those types of weird things are things that, you know, uh, it, it's kind of not the focus anymore because everybody's worried about the software and, you know, obviously anything on the internet, web apps, it, it's got a higher availability, higher surface than a lot of these IOT devices, maybe. Um, but at the same time, you get these IOT devices and these microcontroller boards. I mean, just everywhere you, you, you break open any kind of the plastic case off of this stuff. And you can get access to that those chips. And it's, it's a lot of fun when you're playing with that stuff. So, so just for the audience, Nick's actually waving a, uh, a small <laughs> board at me. What board is that you got? Uh, this is this is actually a RTL SDR that I ripped out of the case because that's going in one of the drone projects. All right, excellent, cool. 
I mean, going back to that, so your coffee maker, are you sure that it's not open? Like it's exposing your Wi-Fi? Because I remember when the, the uh, was it the internet kettle first came out <laughs> in London and uh, people, they drove around London and made a heat map, right? Of all these Wi-Fi kettles that basically exposed the entire network of each house. It's like, yeah, oh, I, you want I, free Wi-Fi? Just drive over there. Just I don't, yeah, there. exactly. I don't, I, I don't doubt that. Now, mine at least does support uh, WEP or WPA, uh, it, it supports encryption. Um, so you, you can do that. It doesn't, you know, I don't have any external connections into the, and I keep, I keep like my IOT on its own little hub. Yeah. I, I, have a phys- I have a physical hardware device that separates cause I just don't, I don't like all that stuff. My children love to fight over Google playing songs right. in various rooms of the house, but like all that happens just on one section. So like I, you know, being aware of that kind of stuff, there are some precautions that I take, but no, I mean, the majority of the out of the box IOT devices don't um, support hidden SSIDs. You know, uh, if you hide your SSID, uh, my coffee maker would not find my Wi-Fi. Right. So there's some inherent security policies that you have to sign on with when you're opening some of this stuff up, you know? So as much as I enjoy, you know, my fresh brewed coffee in the morning, um, there's definitely, you know, concerns and and considerations that you have to take when you're talking about risks associated with all that. I mean, there's going to be at some point, and they're already developing it, they're, they're IoT toilets. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, 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 you laugh, but I mean, think of the, think of the healthcare. Okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to play devil's advocate to the whole, this is bad to put online. Think of the healthcare benefits. If you could process those types of, uh, you know, your bodily functions, your, your fluids, et cetera, at, at an instant and daily rate that you would be able to possibly have better health benefits, you know, notice any sort of deficiencies or uh, health concerns at that level, just like you do with your smartwatch. You know? Yeah, I, that's a different that's a different conversation, I guess. That's using the the interconnectivity of a device for a purpose rather than it's just connected for the sake of it. Because right. you need to remote flush your toilet with an iPhone app, right? Exactly. You know, it, the the fact that you're going to connect it to you know have the have lights and you know fountain playing your bathroom is you know has no comparison but at the same time what whatever you sell that on whether you sell it on you know you have your las vegas water show in your bathroom or you sell it on this is good for your health benefits um you're you're still talking about data that most people don't or connections that most people might not otherwise think of than the surface value um, plus if, if you're talking about things that are actually doing like your bodily functions, then you, then you also have to take care into account like your, uh, per PII information. I mean, that's healthcare information. So you got HIPAA concerns, things like that, um, that most people just go into home Depot to buy a toilet aren't going to even consider. I, I mean, on the flip side, I guess, right. There's a, there's a concern in terms of your health insurance. If you had a toilet that tells whether you've got a health problem or you're deficient in something, or, Hey, this person drinks too much, right. That could actually, if that information got to the insurance companies that could affect your insurability, your premiums and all that kind of stuff. So there's a whole yeah. other conversation on that. There, I mean, there's a ton of things. And I mean, we're going down that line where all, all of our, 
are everything. Uh, you know, it used to be your name and social security number online that you were worried about. You know, soon it, I, then you had like the DNA farms. Now your DNA is online. You know, you've got the uh, the uh, Cardia Mobile. Now your your heart rate's online. You've got your Apple Watch, your Fitbit, your what have you. Um, now your O2 intake, your sleep habits, your everything. I mean, it's there's more online that makes up really kind of the uh, the building blocks of what makes us data essentially. I mean, at this point, you could almost replicate if you had interconnections, you could almost replicate a digital version of uh, of, of one's entity based on their habits simply by the Fitbit data and the Apple yep. and Google data. Well, I know I've heard of I've heard of um, of countries using Fitbit data to for eligibility of whether or not someone gets a visa, because it's like, is this person healthy? They want to come sure. and live here, you know. And that's kind of kind of quite scary. <laughs> it is, it is, you know. And and the extent at which we prov- and we sign off on this, you know, every time we buy these products, it's it's sign off because it's making something in our life easier, right? You know. There's some function or something that we're trying to answer with the technology aspect. You know, I mean, yeah, it does make things easier, but you're also signing on to the risks and the exposure that's associated with it. I, I guess most people don't really consider that too much until there's an issue or something's yeah. exposed. Well, and that's, and that's security as, as a whole, in all, in all honesty. Well, security is going to be 90% reactive, 10% proactive. You know, when do you hire a bodyguard? You know, you only hire a bodyguard after something happens because otherwise you're just paying them to stand next to you to make you look small. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't afford, unfortunately afford a bodyguard, but it would be quite cool to have one. Right. You know, <laughs> it, 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 until, until the moment that you actually have a reason to have a bodyguard, it's not an expenditure that makes sense based on the risk of your lifestyle. True. But not digital bodyguards. Right. Right. That's, There's an idea you know, for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, isn't that what fire firewalls sell themselves as? <laughs> and there's come on, there's got there's got to be a firewall commercial out there with like a bodyguard standing. Well, you could know, almost have have like you can have like a whole digital entity that's you, but not you, <laughs> right? Right, right. <laughs> hey, my digital entity got hacked, but it's all right. I've got another one. You know, I mean, the more we we find ourselves connected, the more that we populate our Google photos, our Facebook photos, or everything, you know it's all being collected and analyzed as data. Um, it's all sitting on a server somewhere. Uh, we ourselves don't own it once we put it there. And um, in the end, if you collated even just the, the major popular ones, you could probably get to the psychology, the, the habits, the, the everything of the, of the average person nowadays. Oh yeah, I think there's a whole lot of profiling that's going on without you knowing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Amazon's doing that on on the back end. You know, With, they're, they're actually selling people stuff before they know they want it from other people that have bought the same stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so like... man, you're having a conversation <laughs> in your house, and then two minutes later, you know, Facebook has got ads for you. Do you know what? I've got so many stories of people saying, "I was talking to someone, <laughs> and then on my phone, there's now an advert for that thing." And you, you yes. do think you think how is what's going on here? There must be something happening. In all honesty, I, there probably is uh, at some layer. Uh, it must be listening it, to you. Your yeah. phone must be listening to you I without mean, you knowing it, right? I mean, well, we tr- we trust Apple, right? 
we trust uh, we trust google right yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. we trust that <laughs> we trust everyone <laughs> we're in security we trust everyone right right exactly <laughs> yeah that's a big not uh, uh, no <laughs> trust yes, nothing the, 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 that's the big laugh line trust, exactly yeah trust no one man but yeah, it's, it, I mean, in, and as we go into the future, it, it's just going to continue. I mean, think about it this way, uh, us at, in our lives at, at our ages, we actually have a period of time that we have nothing of us online. Now, for us, it, it, it may be different number of ages. I mean, I was probably 97 would be like 14 Wow. When I first went online, it might have been younger. But, I mean, online, online. I mean, because if we go back, I'm going to be talking about like uh, CompuServe, Juno, AOL when they spammed your mailbox with uh, with CDs. You know, um, Com- I mean, I, CompuServe, I think I loaded off of a three and a half disc. But yeah, so even so, say 10 years of my existence on planet Earth is not online. No one born today is going to have any moment of time that they aren't online. No. People post it from, right. from the, uh, uh, what is it? What, what's the, what's, what's the picture when you go and get the, uh, sonogram or yeah. 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 From that point, people post that on Facebook all the way through till that person dies from this point on, they're going to have an online presence. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite frightening because I, I, I was born in an era without that. Right. right. So, so we had no mobile phones. There was no internet. Right. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, we were there for the, I was there for the, the beginning of the home computer, you know, the ZX80 yeah. is my first computer. It's like, you know, I think it was like 16, 16 kilobytes of RAM or something. <laughs> you know, it was plugged into a TV and it, it, it ran some kind of basic. It was like, <laughs> yes, yes. And it was like, and like you, like yourself, it's like trying to program a game outside out using from a magazine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and there's always an error somewhere. Oh my god! In in comp, uh, I don't, I don't know. If, did you ever read compute? Read, no, did you ever, I don't think we had that in the UK. I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe I, I used to read um, Crash and Zap. Yes, yes, <laughs> Crash and so yeah, same same kind of thing. You open to the back and you had like nine pages of basic. Yeah, and you, <laughs> you'd sit there. Yes, two finger all, typing. <laughs> all of it in RAM. Every every line of code you're writing is in RAM at that moment. And if you, if your kid sister comes over and turns the wrong light switch off in the room, you're screwed. I, I remember that the, 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 uh, the power supply on the back was plugged. It was so flaky that like, if you pushed it, it would just fall out and you, <laughs> you'd have to start again. So yeah. Kids these days don't know the, you know, they when I, know. when I was their age, so what was your fa- fa- your favorite piece of childhood tech then? Oh, my favorite piece of childhood tech. Um, I Probably the first time that I did any like real coding, my dad got me for, uh, it was either my seventh or eighth grade science fair. Um, we did a, uh, 
uh, robotic arm, just a real simple, you know, robotic arm, couple of servos, had a pinching, pinching hand. And then we actually connected that to a laptop and we're able to move it from the laptop. So we were, we were showing how to like actually program code and move the robotic arm. Well, during, during our whole like science fair thing, it was me typing in the coach, playing with my uh, buddy who was my uh, lab partner, uh, chess. So I would move the chess pieces with the robotic arm. He would move his chess pieces. You know, it was just me playing through the robotic arm, but it looked really cool when, uh, you know, when I was in, I think I was in eighth grade for that one. And, uh, and then we got disqualified because they thought my dad built it. So <laughs> that is very cool, but that's not so cool getting disqualified. Yeah. 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 Haters. Do you, do you ever remember the, uh, uh, oh my God, Big Track? Yes. <laughs> yes. Remember programming Big Track to try and move, to move a, a can Dude. of cola from one <laughs> end of the room to the other without hitting anything? <laughs> Man, like we had cool toys back then. It was just, they were, you had to be a super nerd to use any of them. Yeah. Oh, you'd spend hours trying to program that thing. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was great. And then the battery would run out. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you, you'd spend like two, two and a half hours putting something down and you're like, sweet. And you get like that 37 seconds of runtime. Like, we, we need more D cells. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. Everything ran off of D cells too back then. Everything. Ran uh, off or had those uh, big, big uh, giant rectangle. Uh, the camp, the well, camp light the, batteries. Oh, the huge ones. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen one of them in a long time now. <laughs> All right. Challenges. What kind of challenges do you think you've had in your career or had to overcome? Man, the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Um, I, I never really was one that was big for a lot of like study programs, uh, certificates, classes. Uh, I tried, you know, and everybody that I, I've always been around is like, Oh, you got to have that classic education. You got to get yourself a degree. Uh, I went to nine colleges and I still don't have one credit. Wow. <laughs> you, should, you should get a credit just for going to nine colleges. It's like, how one many colleges them, have one, you been to? Yeah, one of them let me back for a second time. So that was kind of surprising. But yeah, like, uh, you know, I've always been, if there was something that I wanted to learn, that was kind of it. You know, I would, I would if there were, uh, I went, I wanted, I was working on a car one time and I was doing some engine work wanted to learn specifically about, uh, you know, the way that the, the pistons were functioning within there. And I wanted to learn it from somebody who knew. So I signed up for school, went through the engine class at my local uh, uh, tech college and got the information I needed. And then I was done with the class. So racked up some good college bills doing it that way. But, um, you know, that was, that was, it was all about just getting the, the information um, and getting it from somebody that, you know, I particularly trusted or, you know, knew that knew what they were doing. So I've always learned like that. And early on, um, it was, you had to have a cert, you know, getting in, everybody's like, you got to have a cert you know, or you got a, an arrest record because you got caught doing something stupid, uh, right. you know, to get the good jobs back in the, in the early two thousands. Um, so really kind of, not having a classic education early on was a hurdle, but you know, once you kind of find your niche, um, once you kind of find, you know, what makes you happy, it makes it easier. 
Um, you know, I, I always enjoyed that tech and, and physical um, combination. So that's really, you know, where it helped me take a step out of, you know, being a scan monkey or something like that. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, went from doing PCI work and that was in the early days. And I will say, you know, actually spending early time in really understanding at a deep level, the volumes, you know, cause whereas PCI isn't necessarily really concerned about the overall security, everything they have very focused areas, uh, that they're worried about as an early, uh, learner as kind of the professional part of infosec it it restricted my focus i didn't i didn't i wasn't able to focus on everything i had i saw these bones repeat time after time after time as i learned what they were i was able to understand the deeper levels understand kind of what they did and that really did help me there but once once i kind of figured out where i really wanted to be happy that was when i went on and i joined up and i was over at rapid seven and then hp and, the, and all that fun stuff yes yeah, so i guess okay I, you kind of already covered the this, this this question but it's kind of like <clears throat> do you think educational experience is more important uh when looking to embarking on a on a tech career i i don't think the educational experience or the book learning um necessarily dictates how good someone is um, I'm, I would never tell anybody that you going out and learning something is going to hurt you, right? You're, you, you go out and you, you learn how to read code, you learn how to write code, you learn, you learn how to bake a cake, okay? You're better after you learn that than you were before it. So there's, there's no training program that I would ever say, don't do it. Now, if somebody's going to take value from that or it's really going to benefit you for what your goals are, might be different. But if somebody has the drive to get into information security, there is so much stuff. And like we had talked earlier, you know, with, te with technology being everywhere, there's so many places that somebody that just has a drive or a want or a passion um, around the tech that you can apply security to it in some form or fashion. Security is everywhere, you know, even in my coffee maker, you know, there's, <laughs> always there's, goes back to coffee. Well, yeah, man. <laughs> and and uh, so tell me energy drinks as well, right? I mean, that's a classic pen yeah. testers, like coffee and energy drinks, stay up all night. <laughs> man, ba balls, baby. You got to get the balls in there. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, <clears throat> if somebody is somebody has a passion for any aspect of technology, there's a security uh, at layer to it. And if you enjoy breaking, if you enjoy building, if you can wrap your head around good, bad, and, and love the tech, you, you can find a career in, in InfoSec uh, somewhere out there. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree to your point on, um, you know, in, in, on certifications in some ways or, or, or some, because I think I, I've taken the training for quite a few and I, I see, although they give you a good kind of, of process, right? it doesn't actually give you like the real ability to perform certain things, right? Like the first right. pen test I went on, the things I'd learned in the process is like, well, these are the steps you do, but it doesn't actually prepare you for the mindset of pen testing, right? What you really need to do and how to think around an environment, you know, it's just like tick this box. Have you done this thing? But yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and you know, nobody's an ex expert in every single aspect of it either. You know, 
as long as I've been doing this, I, you know, I know a lot of stuff and I know a lot of stuff about a lot of different areas, but I, I mean, I don't consider myself an expert because there's somebody out there that knows more about any X, Y, Z subject than I do. But I want to go talk, like I said earlier, you know, going and trying to find somebody that knows that stuff. It's that same thing. I want to talk to that person. I want them on my team and you build a team because you have experts in the various different places, as opposed to necessarily having a bunch of um, jack of all trades. Yeah, I think that's what makes a good security team or good, you know, good pen testing team is because to be a, to be super elite in any one area is 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 or, or all areas is impossible. You can have breadth of knowledge, but to be mm-hmm. specifically great at one thing, it's like you need different people that have that skill set. Pull them all together, and then you've got a you know unstoppable team. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, um, what's one thing you have learned during your career that you would want to pass on to to others? Um, the the one thing the one thing honestly is don't get stuck in a place that you're not happy. Um, don't don't get stuck in the industry <clears throat> in a place that you dread going to work every single day. There's so many opportunities, and we uh, I've I've said this throughout this whole thing. There's so many opportunities out there where you can be happy, you can enjoy your your work home life balance, you can have you know enjoy the days that, and the stuff that you're doing. Um, don't get don't get stuck in a, in a bad place. Don't get stuck in a bad job. Don't get stuck in a place that doesn't make you happy, because there's too many years that that we spend working uh, honestly throughout uh, our life that. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, find something else. And if it's not security and you enjoy, you know, building houses and doing stuff with your hands or what have you, do that whatever makes you happy. Uh, at the end of the day, it's more worth making sure that you don't hate your life and hate the, every day that you're waking up. I did the cubicle thing for a while in my early days. I mean, not by early days, I mean like in 03. But, uh, you know, like... I did the cubicle thing. It's, it's dreadful. Um, I honestly, I, uh, I, it didn't go over well with my coworkers that I was in a cubicle. Honestly, I uh, pirated and took over cubicles around me and uh, (laughs) pirated takeovers and, um, yes, I the other cubicle. (laughs) It's like, Uh, yeah, I was cubicle hacker. (laughs) I would plant my flag. No, I, I would plant little <laughs> flags and I would, this was back in the day of, uh, who was it? Um, oh, what's the, uh, what's the electronics, uh, magazine that you get? Um, God, the, the USB Nerf la- dart launchers, right. you know, I'd have those things sitting on top of my cubicle. Like I am not made to be in a cubicle. So, do, you know, if if you're not happy with it, technology and you you enjoy it and it's your passion and you know what you do and you know what you do well, there's there's too many opportunities out there um, to to be stuck in in, in a, a place that doesn't make you happy. I mean, I think that's actually fantastic advice. I think it's advice for anyone in any career, to be honest. I think that's just it's a it's a piece of good life advice. For um, real, man, and get away from the screen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, get away I, from the screen. Phew. There are times where you go, hang on, I've been at a screen for like like 10 hours. This is not good. 
And, uh, yeah, take take those family vacations. Take and take that take that weekend. Get get away from the screen. You, you you have to you have to be able to break yourself off. You need that reset. You need that mental reset. You need that that family reset. You need that all that, that stuff, because uh, otherwise it's not worth it. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people or a lot of pen testers and so on that start out really, you know, energetic. And then you start watching them over time begin to slowly, slowly fade. <laughs> but uh, I mean, because, you know, there is like how, how that, that kind of balance between the work and then the home life or whatever they, they, what you want to call it, work-life balance, right? It, I mean, it, it, have, it's key for the long term, man. Yeah, so I mean, I guess... I guess you covered it already, right? That's your advice for balancing a home and work life is just like get away from the screen, make sure you do get time off and, and do other things. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been working from home with God for 14 years or something at this point. Do you find even, you need, so what's, so in terms of that then, right? Cause it's like you either, I find we're working, obviously everyone's working from home right now or a lot sure. of people are right. And instead of working less, I find myself working more, right? Because it's like, well, what else are you doing? <laughs> so it's kind of a danger of just being sucked into very long work days. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And, and the expectations now that everyone knows that you're working from home means that you're available at any point in time. Um, you know, my, one of the th- key things is no matter where I am in the world, I have to have a space that I can close off, whether that's a room, whether that's a basement, whether that's whatever it is, where my workspace is, there has to be a physical barrier because when ah. you close that door, uh, right. you left work, you know? Gotcha. So it's like you actually go to work in the morning to that room, right? And then it's like, this is work time. And then when you close that door, you're out and it's, that's like my time, private time, home time, whatever, family exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I obviously, you know, having uh, computers on all the time and being around them, I, I may be in here, you know, after what I consider, you know, quote unquote, after hours. But at the same time, if I, if I have something going on with the kids or if, you know, I'm doing dinner with the girlfriend or whatever, I know that when I close my door, I'm at least offline. You know, yeah. I may still be answering emails via my phone or what have you, but I'm at least away. From, I can't do WebEx. I can't do Zoom. I can't, you know, it's, it's a physical break. And I've, I've had that for a long time though. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's hard, right? I, mean, I, I know in the morning I, I, I turn the phone on. I actually put my phone on airplane mode at night before I go to bed. I cannot have my phone available to the world when I go to, go to sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. But I know in the morning I turn it on. And it's, it might be like seven in the morning and the, 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 the urge to look at the email is <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. Don't look at it. I'm going to walk the dog first. But, you know, sometimes you lose and you start checking your emails first thing. I guess that's not too healthy either. Yeah, I mean, we're, I do it myself. The first thing I do is I roll over and I look at my phone. I mean, hell, my, I have an alarm on my phone and I have an alarm on my Google Hub. So, you know. I really do tell Google I wake up and it, it greets me every morning, tells me the weather. You know, You're not worried that Google's spying on you? Like he's listening to all your, all your conversations. Honestly, <laughs> um, one of the reasons I decided to do the Google thing in the house versus doing Alexa is because there's an actual physical hard mic, mic off switch right. on the Google Hub. Oh, so, I like that. Okay. Yes. So that, that by far was the key because they both do pretty much the same thing. Everybody, everything ties into both of them at this point. Yeah. Um, 
so that was that was like one of the major key features that that made me uh, choose Google over Alexa. I'm not going to ask you. Have you actually tested it? <laughs> no, no. But I, 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 it's an assumed risk that I've put into its own little bubble. And in all honesty, it, it, it's the same thing. Uh, I, I understand the risk associated with it. Um, I understand what I'm requesting of it, voice and all the rest. And I'm assuming the risk uh, posed to my data based on having that within the environment. So yeah. I, I feel that I'm an aware user at that point. And if, if it screws me, it screws me. But it was my own damn fault. Well, it's, as you said, there's an advantage to the technology to assist, right? I mean, the, the ability to say Google set a timer for three minutes is, is brilliant, right? Exactly. Especially, especially if you've got hands covered in, I don't know if you're cooking something. Well, yeah, my, my daughter cook, making cookies and all the rest in the kitchen uses it all the time for setting timers. Yeah, awesome. So Nick, are there any kind of um, emerging threats or trends that you're seeing a lot of at the moment? Yeah, I mean, with everybody working from home now, um, really kind of everybody's more susceptible to that, you know, the phishing attacks, the, um, I, I want to call them spear phishing cause they're not really targeted, but just the, the, anything that's targeting users, anything that's got buzz, um, all of that stuff that would emotionally charge people becomes an attack vector. Uh, so you're going to see a lot more of people being targeted by, not specifically targeting them themselves as the the target, but just a general attacks that are going to go after the mass populace. And in those, I mean, attackers are going to use them for everything from botnets to spam relays to, you know, uh, all of those kind of um, and, uh, malicious uses of what you would do, do with somebody else's computer. But you're also going to see things where, because uh, more people are susceptible to, susceptible to that, you're going to see banking credentials uh, and stuff that people save within their browsers uh, become much more targeted. You're going to see uh, things like uh, healthcare as, as telehealth uh, becomes a much bigger thing um, where healthcare information is now stored all in e format and um, or e-health format and such like that those are going to be things that you know as we progress and we've been talking about you know a lot of it is where you know we have so much data online now that most people don't realize it, all of those things that target the masses are going to become more and more common um, you're going to see the same apt kind of uh, focused organizations and, and targets that are going to still have those increased uh, nationalistic type of, of attacks where um, you know again it's it's like anything else the more that we go online the more our adversaries are going to become online and you're going to you're going to see a lot more focus on uh, really kind of uh, the pen testing as, like we do um, a lot continue into the future and not really go anywhere because a lot of the systems and technologies that have been put into place over the years, the millions and millions of dollars that are spent on firewalls, antivirus, and all the rest only protect the technical aspect. You still, again, still have that, that physical aspect that, uh, that a lot of times organizations may overlook. Uh, and I understand it. It's expensive to have people come out and do a red team on an organization, you know? So, now it's probably going to become more uh, more important for organizations 
to look into the future to doing those types of real red team engagements where you're bringing uh, kind of the, the complete aspect into the security focus. But the, the person is still going to be the human element is still going to be the weakest link in, in, in the security of uh, technology and organizations and everything uh, going forward. Right. Because I guess um, there's kind of, the, there's a trust with the, with the person, right? So it's like the person's already trusted yeah. within an organization. They've already got access. So if you can break into that person or the person makes a mistake, then, you know, the organization's going to get face a risk through that rather than a, you know, a technical zero day, which, you know, obviously is happening, but probably less so than actual people hacking or social engineering. Yeah, completely. I mean, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an attack against the organization that actually gets uh, breached, you know, the, because we are utilizing, you know, things like split tunneling in our VPNs where users can browse the internet from their home connection, but they're still connected to their corporate environment. That attack could happen on a site that has nothing to do with the organization, but because the, the user is a remote user and has trusted access to the environment, they could use that, uh, that attack as a pivot point to gain access to these other environments. And I guess that mentioning that kind of attack is also an issue in terms of like, you know, people are now using their own devices, right? So the, 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 the BYOD, bring your own device situation is, is um, opening up networks that were previously much more secure because it'd be company only laptops, but in the rush to, to get a lot of people working from home it's like well they've had to relax the rules a little bit so endpoint protection is probably you know a problem right absolutely 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 you know um it started with the byod of phones you know uh, and really that was the first um point where people were integrating the devices there wasn't a lot of checks and balances in it and things like that but now where it is everyone's machine and it's Mac, Linux, Windows. I mean, administrators have to function and flow through every OS version and all the rest now. It just exponentially makes uh, the overall security more difficult to maintain on the day. Um, and, you know, technology can only answer so many of those issues. It, it, it still comes down to, you know, good security practice, user awareness, uh, security training and the, again the user so i guess uh next one um are there any people uh in your community that you would like to give a shout out to no a, a shout out to everybody at occamsec because uh honestly you know i like i said before you know being happy about where you're at and all the rest i, I love i love the crew i love the team here um and then uh a shout out to everybody at b-sides and i'm gonna throw this out there uh uh, next year, besides Madison 2021, I will be uh, the chairman of the, the besides MSN for the first year that it'll be held out here. So hopefully I'll be able to see a lot more in the community uh, coming next year after we get through all this. That sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, I love besides. So By I, all means, I yeah. can't wait for it to come back because obviously besides London got canceled this year due to the what the situation so um hopefully next year much looking forward to that and the fact you're going to do that uh start a, a newbie sides right i mean it's the first of that kind uh first first in madison so uh yeah. i was uh part of the, the early b-side chicago and anybody out there in the industry if you want to get a job if you want to meet your network if you want to find people that are in in that same area by far find your local b-sides 
And uh, I'm guessing, so in, in conclusion, um, are there any other comments that you would like to make or add to the audience today? Um, no, I mean, and I, I gave, I, I gave my insight and my, my wisdom, if you will, I have to say that with a straight face. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really, uh, you know, have fun with what you're, what you're doing. Uh, find, find whatever it is that makes you happy. And whether it's InfoSec, whether it's baking, whether it's construction, whatever it is, be happy in life, man. It's, it's not worth not being happy with what you're doing. Fantastic. That's great advice. Um, thanks, Nick. I'd like to thank you very much for joining us tonight. Appreciate and, uh, it. It's my pleasure. If anyone would like to add comments or for topics that we did discuss here on Burn by the Firewall, please uh, leave us a message on Anchor. Mm-hmm.